1: QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the
2: Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader.
3: We need a solution that gives us protection against reinfection from abroad because there is at least the theoretical Risk of a new vaccine busting variant uh, coming in.
2: Boris Johnson speaking earlier, and in fact, the Evening Standards had it confirmed that passengers arriving in the UK will face 10 days of quarantine in hotels. It's just the details to be decided. Will it be select countries? Or everywhere. There are divisions in government over how strict it should be. There may be already, as the PM clearly fears coronavirus variants that are immune to the vaccine out there, but there is also a fragile economy to consider too. Our political editor Joe Murphy's here. Joe, from what we understand, how would this work?
0: Yeah, when you get off your aeroplane from wherever you've been, David, you'll be put on a bus and taken to a hotel, and there you will stay for ten days and you'll take a test and have to be negative before they allow you back into society. Um, At least that is the plan. It's open to lots of changes over the course of the next 24 hours. At first, it'll apply to you only if you're a Brit coming home from one of the trouble spots like Brazil or South Africa. That's the minimum they're going to announce tomorrow. Um, But I expect it to be quite a bit wider than that, and that it'll be probably applying to people who have been anywhere through those trouble spots, um, and possibly to quite a few other countries that don't have the sort of laboratory capacity to study genomes and identify mutant viruses.
2: I've been watching a few interviews with the Prime Minister today, Joe. He was at a vaccine centre in Barnet. He seems to be less worried about the coronavirus that's already in the UK and about the potential for what he was calling vaccine-busting variants getting in and he seems to believe that these hotels could be a way of stopping that happening.
0: Yes, because we have these virus strains that we call the Brazil mutation or the South Africa mutation or indeed the Kent mutation. And One thing in common between uh, Brazil and the UK and to an extent South Africa is that we all have good laboratories that are identifying genomic strands uh, so, they, so they spot these mutations. It's not 100% sure that all these mutations happened in the countries that they're named after. There's clearly a division in government between those ministers like the health secretary who want to be as cautious as possible. They see the possibility that there are mutant strains in countries that simply haven't been identified yet. And therefore, you should have this quarantine or something like it for every country, no matter where. And then there are those other ministers, and I think the Treasury is more in this camp, who say, yes, quarantine is necessary where there are known to be problems, but there's no point in shutting down travel from everywhere unless we know there's definitely a problem to be shut down against. And that tension is going to be resolved, but there's 24 hours of discussion before this is going to be announced.
2: With all of this going on, has there been any indication of when the current restrictions might be lifted or
0: at least eased. Well, the prime minister appeared to indicate today that he wanted to be thinking before the mid-February date when uh, the first four priority groups of the over 70s, vulnerable people, will have had the vaccine if all goes to plan. That would suggest that he's hoping to have some easing of restrictions um, shortly after that date. Now, his first priority, he keeps telling us, is schools. But the government's nervous. It's certainly not making any commitments now, not only for a date for reopening schools, but not even for a set of conditions or a milestone.
2: And that's despite some pressure from senior Tory MPs who have asked for the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, to come in front of MPs and tell them what the blueprint is for reopening schools.
0: There's some real pressure building up on the government on this and some really quite senior Tory MPs as well behind it. People like Mark Harper, who is a former Chief Whip, Robert Halfon, who is a really keyed in to the working class as Tory MP. And they are putting pressure on the government... They're accepting a date is not yet available. They're instead saying, well, show us the plan, give us the milestones, tell us what kind of conditions you'd have to see before it comes down. Um, But one thing you can be sure of, that these are hard Tory MPs. They'll hold the Prime Minister's feet to the fire to deliver what he says. And maybe that's the reason that the Prime Minister at the moment is not saying much on this subject at all.
2: There's more on this on the Evening Standards front page or you can read our news and commentary online at standard.co.uk. We have a YouTube channel too. Check out The Nutmeg for analysis of Frank Lampard sacking at Chelsea. Now, under current lockdown restrictions, you can't go for a meal in a restaurant, but the Michelin Awards are going ahead regardless. There has been some criticism that it all seems a bit pointless. But the Evening Standards food critic, Jimmy Famawero doesn't think so. He's with me now. Jimmy, Why? Is this happening?
3: It's a really good question, David. I think it's one that a lot of us in the industry are kind of scratching our heads about to a degree. The stated reasons from Michelin are that they wanted to offer some support to the industry. They wanted to offer some positivity, something that restaurants can hopefully use to bolster their delivery businesses or something that will kind of attract more custom when people do return to restaurants um at some point later this year and so i think that is the reason that they've given um i imagine that there's also an element of it was all kind of the wheels were already in motion to a degree and there was a for whatever reason there was a reluctance to 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 postpone or put things off there were uh, stars and a michelin awards ceremony in france uh last week i think it was I, I just get the sense that you know they were like this trains left the station they thought possibly that that it would be a better the landscape would be a little bit healthier now because they postponed it from october i think it was and I think they've just decided to press ahead with, with the hope that it does kind of give restaurants a bit of a boost and a shot in the arm and maybe a reminder to people that they're there, they still exist, and they'll be back the other side of this.
2: Is it going to still be exciting, though, for a restaurant, maybe one that's never had a Michelin star before that's going to get one this year, and then they can't show off that food to a customer? Does it still have that same buzz of, of getting what is uh, genuinely still a, a major accolade in the industry? Industry.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's still huge. That's the thing. I mean, you speak to a lot of people in food, and they can be quite uh, dismissive about Michelin. But at the same time, it is the yardstick by which we use to sort of measure excellence in the world of food. Like, and it's it's been shown at times to be maybe a kind of um, contentious yardstick, and kind of that it prizes certain things over the other. But it is still, you know. A, a, in terms of the attention that's paid to getting it right and the kind of due diligence in terms of uh, Michelin inspectors, um, it is still that kind of, you know, um, high watermark. Um, Whether, I, I just don't imagine it's going to be the same sort of experience because so many of these restaurants are kind of, you know, fighting for their lives, um, waiting, you know, one sort of government announcement away from from closure. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to have the same or anything like the same um, impact or, you know, be the same joyous occasion. It's all well and good saying that, you know, restaurants can hopefully translate this into propping up their delivery or meal kit businesses. Or it can mean that they're booked out um, for, you know, months after they reopen, but there's no knowledge of, of, of when things will reopen. And I think we're, very, we're all at the moment very much being forced to live in the now. And these kind of Michelin stars seem to be kind of like they're for the future in some way. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a complicated one for, um, for restaurants to process and chefs to process.
2: And I'd guess as a critic, this must normally be quite a, a big event for yourself, Mm. as well do you have the same level of interest
3: I'm, I'm definitely intrigued it offers a kind of lay of the land a kind of overview kind of panorama of not necessarily everything that's going on or exciting in the restaurant scene in London but what you know an important arbiter like Michelin even with However caveats you want to offer, what they consider what restaurants are being awarded, which things are are close, you know, something like um Ikoi, the uh, West African-influenced um restaurant in St. James's winning its first star was huge and of huge significance and has paved the way for almost an entirely new category of of restaurant. And so it is it is definitely interesting, but it's kind of it's it's a very strange um, time for it to be happening, and it feels, yeah, it feels kind of it feels quite quite unusual that we're talking about Michelin stars and we're uh, going to be sort of awarding or celebrating in inverted commas these these prizes at a time when you know restaurants are just kind of fighting for their lives really, and it's um, um, but yeah, I I am I'm very very interested and very intrigued. And that's the
2: leader. Subscribe to make sure you never miss our news, analysis, and commentary every day at 4 pm. Do it now, and we'll definitely see you tomorrow.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title